everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tales from a Vet Tech with me, Tabitha Kusera. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to one of my good friends, Liz Wainick, all about our insecurities. <laughs> good times, right? Uh, all about our insecurities that held us back, especially as baby technicians when we were first joining the field and Liz really struggled with this as well as, as I did. And she shares her story about not only how she addressed those insecurities, but actually overcame them. And there's a happy ending, spoiler alert. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thanks for having me, Tabitha. So me and Liz have been friends for a very long time. And the other day, we were just casually talking at dinner. And we were talking about how Liz has really overcame her insecurities, not just with work, but other things in her life, but especially as a veterinary technician. And then we started talking about how a lot of our insecurities held us back when we were baby techs, which we define as the first year or two after getting out of technician school and passing your boards. It's not a bad term. It's just you're less experienced. So mm -hmm. when we were baby techs, we we were kind of looking back and being like, oh, our insecurities held us back a lot. And mm -hmm. we were less able to take risks and we were more likely to settle and be uncomfortable. So I was like, oh, this is a great topic because I'm sure many other people have dealt with this as well. So I figured I'd bring you on because you're awesome and to share your stories and how we overcame those insecurities. So happy ending, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, happy ending. <laughs> happy ending. So to start, do you want to just tell us a little bit about your career path and where you are today? Yeah, so I have been a technician, registered technician for over 10 years now. Um, so I like to use the term geriatric technician now. Five years is the research. So we, we yes. have overcame that. And I know, shout out yes. to all my, my vet med and shelter med fam who has been doing this for 10 plus years. Yes. We appreciate you. <laughs> geriatric, um, as Liz says. <laughs> so I started out, um, I kind of hopped around different GPs uh, for the first, well, majority, I should say, of my um, career up until a couple of years back. Um, trying again, I, I've never, I've always struggled with insecurities and confidence in general, social anxiety, all of that fun mental health stuff stuff <laughs> um and and so my career path was no different um i i did well enough in tech school but again like you know there's book smart and there's street smart and i was keenly aware of that um just as much as my classmates were that maybe weren't doing as well in class but are they're still in the field too and they're rock star techs too um so, so if you're in school and you're struggling, don't let that bog you down. You can still be a rock star tech when you get enough out in the field. Side note. Um, 
But I always struggled with insecurity and confidence in myself. And I kind of, at the beginning of my career, when I was a baby tech, um, looking back, I kind of was it, setting myself up for failure almost because I was seeking out these clinics that I thought maybe um, I could kind of like dip my toe in into the field maybe not as fast paced as some of the, some other uh, clinics in the area to try and, and get my, my feet wet as it were. I'm going to try and build that confidence, but <laughs> I was not the greatest at looking out for red flags. Um, I know Tabitha, you and I have discussed this many times when you are going out on interviews you are interviewing the clinic just as much as they are interviewing you. Right. And I never, I never understood that for the longest time. I, I was just trying to get jobs anywhere I could. And I was not very choosy in the beginning. A job was a job. And you were seeking, like you mentioned, you were kind of seeking hospitals that were maybe a little bit smaller, that were fairly slow. And that in many of the cases at these clinics that you worked at happen to not utilize their technicians correctly yeah, at all. Yeah. So, yeah. And, I, and also, again, you know, again, being a geriatric tech, you bring up the point. This was like long before the talk of title protection and un title unity and all of this, this, this great discussion that's going on right now. Yeah. So, so it was no big thing in a clinic size to just throw the word tech around regardless of credential status um and and throw the word tech around without any real knowledge of job duties what a cred credential tech can do is capable of doing and and so it a lot of the jobs i was finding myself in um, I mean, I would do some text technical skills here and there, but I really was not being utilized as a registered tech should be. And and so that actually, it didn't really, obviously, if you're not building your skills because you're not being utilized properly, it's not really going to build your confidence um, because you're not building your skills. Right. And you're not in a situation where... Yeah, yeah. In many cases, you were the only registered veterinary technician. So I, I've, yeah. I've felt this before, too. I may be the most, even as I started to learn more, if I'm the only RVT on staff and I'm still newer to the field, that can be concerning. And like you said, mm -hmm. kind of setting us up for failure because mm -hmm. we really need to strengthen our, our skills. And if the person that... <laughs> we have to go to to strengthen our skills is only ourselves uh yeah. that could be not only can that be difficult as far as your self-confidence but also you could be doing the wrong thing over and over again because you don't have mentorship or support or a more experienced person yeah showing you and i think both of us which i'm sure many of us have out there most a lot of us have experienced working in an environment whether it's a shelter a vet clinic or a training facility where you may have not had an environment that was conducive to learning and like you were kind of just thrown into the thing like you got this go monitor anesthesia and, and with yeah. a difficult like 
with a patient with a lot of comorbidities and and things that you were not necessarily comfortable with. Yeah. Um, and many of us don't learn well being thrown into the fire, as they they say, or we learn, but as you can imagine, it's not the best to learn yeah. in most cases. Um, yeah, no, just thinking back to some of the first few clinics I bounced around at, the one I had I had to like ask them like, are you gonna give me a 90 day review? Like, am I getting a 90 day review? Just and wanted to like, check in. I would love some feedback I so I can grow. Like, <laughs> back, like 90 day review. What is this? Oh, I guess. Let's step into this room and talk for 30 seconds. Completely like you're doing great. No criteria, no helpful feedback. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> Or you're doing a bad job and no helpful criteria or feedback. Both of those things happen. Yes. So so as listener, as you can imagine, by that scenario, a very true scenario that happened to me, I was, again, not very good at picking out non-toxic work environments, um, which, again, um, so not being utilized properly and then really bad at picking out work environments that were not toxic both actually worked to not only not remove any insecurities but actually made me less confident um in in my career choice and I actually ended up um taking a year off um out of out of vet med and I and I started working at a boarding facility a kennel doggy daycare which is where you and I met mm-hmm. um and, and then uh, I'd been working there for a year. And then out of the blue, one of these clinics that I had, you know, driving around um, in ye olden days, just blanket dumping resume cover letters uh, at different vet hospitals. One of these clinics that I had dropped off a resume and cover letter to, again, over a year ago, had reached out um, wanting to set up an interview. And so I interviewed and I got a job there. Um, And it was great. It was great for a while. Um, It ended up not being great at the end. um, And, and, but things happen. Um, But it was, it was good. It was a good job in that that was kind of where I started to, because there was, there was a technician there that, had been working in that clinic for 15 to 20 years at that point in time. And she started as an assistant, went to tech school, was credentialed. So I actually, for the first time in my career, had like a mentor at my job. I was not the most senior technician anymore. Right. Which again, this is like two years into my career path, which again, like... <laughs> Seeking out, I'm trying to build my confidence as a veterinary technician. Probably, maybe don't pick clinics within your first couple of years where you are then the senior technician. <laughs> Probably not going to work out great to build your confidence. <laughs> right. Like at the interview process, you know, ask those questions. What does, yeah. what do opportunities for advancement look like here? Where, what is your CE allowance? Yeah, ask how many credential technicians are working there, um, how many assistants, how many RVT, well, in Ohio, they're RVTs, right. um, how many RVT students or CVT, LVT, wherever, whatever state you live in. Um, but but yeah, so so that was, I mean, that was refreshing. And that was actually where 
um, I started to, I was able, I was, I was being utilized as a technician more often. And I was actually able to, uh, like hone my tech skills, my phlebotomy skills, surgery, anesthesia monitoring. And again, I have that mentor there to kind of help teach me and help kind of guide me along. And she was, a, she was actually a really good mentor. Um, another thing is we like to eat our young um, in this field. We should not do that because little baby technician me, if, if I had been paired up with a mentor that ate her young, I don't know if I would have actually survived. I, but field. I probably, I would not define that person as a mentor. But <laughs> if that's true. the way, Sorry. Air quotes, <laughs> but air no, quotes. yes, air, um, air quotes, air quotes. Yeah. They, the whole, so, like, we're going to, uh, what is it called when fraternity haze you like the whole, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're going to be mean to you to make sure you, we're going to make you cry five times. Cause I've had, like I've, had more than, experience. Yeah, I've had more than yeah. one job where I've been made to cr- like purposely someone made me cry. Yeah. 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 Don't eat, don't eat your young in the clinic. Um, but but no, so it was that was that was actually a really good experience, and and then at the at towards the end, it did get a, a little bit stuff was happening, and and it ended up I found myself not working there anymore, um, and so then I was I um, kind of bounced around a few more clinics again, trying to find that that good clinic that would have like that same feel with the with the mentor and. Um, utilization and support yeah yeah yeah. and and I landed a job at this clinic that was it was a good practice they they you know do practice good medicine um but when I got hired there I applied for an RBT position and when they hired me Again, still, this is like, you know, several years into my career at this point. And I was and I was more confident and I was getting better at being choosy with clinics, but I still wasn't quite there at picking out red flags. Um, they and I and I also was like was like, you know, still really um, not confident enough to, to ask like, like, quote unquote, hard hitting questions. They're not even that hard hitting asking They're about just basic interview questions, yeah, but also pay, pay scale and CE yeah. allowance and this, that, and the other, which again, you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. You, you have every right to know like all of that information because too, you don't want to waste, you don't want to waste your time. You don't want to waste their time. If you know up front that there's these deal breakers, then you don't have to waste any more time. But anyway, so I applied for an RVT position um, I interviewed, it went well, I got the position and like, I went in to like, you know, sign all the stuff and, you know, orientation, quote unquote, wasn't really orientation. I don't know why I use that word. Um, but they were like, oh, by the way, um, you're going to make this much an hour, which at the time was the average, uncre- like, like uncredentialed hey, for- assistant like with less than five years experience in the field. And I'm like, okay, I guess that's fine. I need a job. Yeah. Um, and so I was working there and I don't know why they listed it as an RVT position because they were paying me like an assistant. And then I was being essentially not utilized. I was not getting any surgery time. I was not 
helping in the back with any of the nursing care for any of the hospitalized patients. I was just helping restrain for wellness appointments and vaccines, which is, yes, in GP, that's a big part of GP, but so is spaying and neutering and dentals and all that other stuff and, and, and blood draws and like all of the, all of this stuff that frees up doctor time. And so I was, I was getting frustrated and I had been Understandably. there. Yeah. <laughs> been there, I had been there for about six months and there was a day where we were finishing up um, for the day. Uh, we were like on our last appointment for the day and the vet that owned the practice had been working on the floor that day, seeing appointments. And he had been um, not like belligerent or mean or anything, but just like more critical about what I was doing all day um, and, and critiquing me and, and, you know, making sure I was minding my P's and Q's with everything. And, and as he was leaving for the night, he looked at me and he said, you know, Liz, you did it. You did a really good job today. Um, and I'm sorry for, for giving you a hard time all day, which to his credit, thank you for apologizing. Um, but <laughs> he's like, I, I'm, I'm sorry for giving you a hard time all day, but I just, I see, I see a lot of potential in you that you could be a really good tech. And at the time when he said that comment to me, I had had my license as a registered veterinary technician for five years. And I had been working in the field for four because, again, I took that year off. And to be fair, when you were working at that facility, you were still doing tech work. Assistant stuff, uncredentialed technician stuff. Yeah. So, so like, you see a lot of potential in me. First of all, thank you. But also, I, like, I'm already a great tech. What do you mean? Yeah, you were probably just like, oh, okay. And then you sat back for a second and you're like the fuck uh, yeah, was, yeah I kind of it was kind of like a deer in the headlights oh thanks and as he like walked away for he went home for the night I'm like that's kind of a backhanded comment right. um but yeah so no but then to your point I'm like but then also like I'm not even being you like what do you mean you see potential in me you have given me zero opportunity to grow yeah, yeah. and and it was so it's so funny because that was like and I still, I still was not as confident then as I am now in my career, but it's so funny because I was like, like, as soon as the thought came into my mind, I'm like, oh, this is a different person than I was five years ago. Um, cause I, cause I was like, it was like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm, I'm already a good technician. I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm confident in myself. Yay. Yay. <laughs> it was, it was kind of a, a ref- it was like a, a turning point for you. Like yeah. when you took a break from vet med and you're like, I don't know if this is for me. And yeah, then that really happened in that year off. Yeah. And then, and then just a few short <laughs> years later, um, just to have that, that complete 180 in mindset. Um, and so obviously that job did not work out. Um, <laughs> so, so then, so then I, I, I did, I did eventually find another GP that I, worked at for several years um, and was able to get, you know, even more confident, hone my skills even more, more anesthesia experience, learn more. I had a mentor. It was great. And then, you know, as you and I, we love going to CE. We love going to lectures, webinars. 
Hashtag never stop learning. If GP is what you are all about, that's great. Um, that's fantastic. I got really, I mean, I became one of the head surgery, like go-to surgery techs where I worked. I got really bored of space, neuters, and dentals, like an occasional splenectomy, an occasional lateral suture for an ACL. And this is what I love because I have been friends with Liz for a while and I've seen her confidence grow and I'm so proud of her and she's amazing. But anyways, um, I remember she, we were chatting and she's like, yeah, she's like, I really want to, which to be fair, we should be utilizing CRIs and a lot of these other things in GP, but she's like, I, I want to start like learning those tech. Cause if you've never, if CRIs are fairly inexpensive and, and can be easy to learn, but if you've never done it, it is very mind boggling, especially you know, I know for me personally, and even line blocks. And- where, where I work now, um, they have it all like calculated into an Excel spreadsheet. It's fantastic. So you don't have to do any scary math because I'm not a mathy person. And who doesn't cool. love a double check? We love it. But you, <laughs> you went to your, you went to your boss and you said, Hey, and I, I love that you did this. You started the conversation because again, they, they, you were having good experiences there, but you felt stuck as many veterinary Mm -hmm. professionals do because that whole opportunity for growth thing somehow gets just skipped quite a lot uh, Mm -hmm. by management and practice managers and owners. And you were like, I want to learn more. I want to start doing, I mean, ideally we should all be doing testicular box and line box for space. Mm -hmm. But anyways, you're Mm -hmm. like, I want to start being the person that does that. I want to start doing this. And you express the the want to want to learn more. And obviously you already had a relationship you proved that you were a skilled technician and wanted to continue to learn more and their response was not what you yeah anticipated I was kind of poo-pooed poo-pooed um poo-pooed um and and I was like oh well okay I tried so I and again that was like coming towards the end of my time at that hospital because again like I I'm like I've, I've maxed out on yeah. what I can do. I am a very non-confrontational person. I don't, don't want to hire and fire people. I don't want to be in charge of like managing people. I, oh my gosh. I would be a terrible manager. I would be a terrible manager. And that's okay. Um, we can't all be good at everything. <laughs> right. So and know your strengths. I would not be good in an ad- administrative role. I would be terrible. <laughs> Um, speaking of red flags, if you ever interview at a clinic and I'm in an admin role, run the other <laughs> direction, that'll never happen. Cause I will never accept that job. Um, <laughs> but, but so, so I was like, I, I was, I was feeling stuck. And so I went out on a limb and did something completely uncharacteristic of myself. And I Woo-hoo. applied to as a surgery RVT for for a big ER referral practice in in my area and I got an interview I went to the interview the interview went really well I seemed to hit it off with the head tech for the department really well I was feeling really hopeful this was about March 6th March 7th of 2020 a few I'm not weeks sure before. All, yeah, I'm not sure if you all remember. Something else happened in March of 2020. <laughs> um, and so 
Yes, a week after my fantastic interview that I was so hopeful, um, I got a call from the girl that interviewed me and was like, you know, everyone, there was a hiring freeze at the hospital and she apologized. And as soon as, as soon as she, you know, she would keep my resume on file as soon as, as soon as things opened up, you know, she would keep me in mind and stuff like that and this, that, and the other. And I was bummed, but again, for me too, I was like, Oh, now no one, no one knows what's going on. So I might as well just stick here for a little while. Right. Yeah. That was, that was a definitely, (laughs) obviously a, a a very new thing. I know many of us. So the first couple of months it was touch and go. Um, but then, so first couple of months, fast forward to, you know, summertime, early summer, early to midsummer, what I, um, come to work and, uh, my, my good friend, and coworker, um, we were really good friends at work. Her work wife, everybody is yeah, what we say about Meg. We love our work, work wives, wives. And, yeah. and our work husbands. And she, and she actually was um, going back to the talk about how I don't want admin roles. She got hired after me, but they made they um, promoted her to be like a tech liaison position. And at first, she was like really nervous to to tell me. Um, it was really funny. I was in the lab the one day. And the practice manager came up to her and like whispered something to her, like all hush hush. And like they had been like pulling her aside into meetings and stuff more frequently. And so the practice manager walks away and it's just me and my friend there in the lab. And I'm like, are they making you like the head tech or something? And she's like, yeah. And you could tell she was really worried about how she was going to react because I was more senior than she was. And I was like, good, because I don't want it. (laughs) But... But no, so so she was she was the tech liaison, um, and it was like it was really nice because I mean every hospital is going to have their management problems. Um, the management problems that was happening at that hospital at the time were just becoming more and more frustrating for me. Um, but because my friend was had this tech liaison position, it was wonderful for me because I could just air my grievances to her, and then it's like off into the ether and she'll it'll if it'll, it'll get taken care of or if it doesn't get taken care of that's not okay but at least they hear about my complaint so it's it's good to have that um until that person in that role leaves which is what <laughs> my friend did um so so yeah i had this great interview in march of 2020 fast forward a couple months into the summer of 2020 um and my friend told me broke the news um that she had put in her notice um, and it had gotten a job at, at the hospital that I had um, interviewed at back in March, not in the same department that I interviewed at in a different department. Um, but she got a job at that hospital. And I immediately was like, one, I cannot deal with the management at this hospital without this person. That buffer and, two, <laughs> and that support. Yeah. yeah. And two, well, the hiring freeze must be up. so I went home and I pulled up indeed and I just applied to every open position at this hospital and I the very next day or the day after I was contacted to come in to interview for a position and the I was I was I was like well asked do you want to work on the ER floor do you want to work in the ICU um and Again, again, completely out of character. I was like, I can work in the ICU. 
So they hired me. I was now an ICU RVT at this huge, like, ER referral specialty practice. Like, oh my goodness. It was, it was bananagrams. And if you, <laughs> because, because the thing is, I look back to where I was at the beginning of when I was graduating tech school. And if you told that person that just you wait, Liz, one day, one day you're going to be working in the ICU of a very busy ER referral practice at the height of, of a global pandemic when everything is bananas. Um, but no, um, I mean, yes, but no. Um, I, I would have looked, I would have laughed in your face because I just, I, I was not confident. And it's amazing how, how far I'd come in my confidence. And since then, you know, I've transferred um, from the ICU because it was great. Um, but after a year, I was definitely burned out. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, ER. I mean, people that live, love ECC. And Shout out. We love you. <laughs> I know. Continue <laughs> to do it um, in, the, in the midst of everything that's going on right now. <sighs> yeah. I just love you all so much. And, and so, yeah, I put in a transfer. And now I work for um, the cardiology department. And, and, it's, and I feel like I've been there for a year in cardiology. And I finally feel like I have, like, found my niche. Like, I love cardio. Cardio is so cool. If you are in tech school, cardio is amazing. It's everything is interconnected. Like, I'm not, I know I'm going on a tangent, nothing to do with. But you found your, I mean, I think that's a really big part of growing, finding your niche, finding what you like. And then you're more passionate, which means you're happier at work, but also it's, it's just, it's a good fit all around. And it took you a while to get there and your path, all of it was, was relevant and helpful. Yeah. It brought you to a place where you're like, where you, we joke and call them unicorn clinics, which is very sad because unicorns don't exist. You guys get it. Uh, but (laughs) but, uh, you guys get it. Unicorn clinics can exist. No, they can. You found, you found your happy place, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny because like going back to like, if you had told, you know, little old me graduating from tech school in 2010, um, again, geriatric technician, if you had told me going back to that, if you had told me when I was graduating tech school way back in 2010, that I would work in the ICU department of this huge, busy, and be very, very good at it, by the way. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And, and then, and then not only that, but then transfer and go work for an, Probably even busier cardiology, but maybe not even busier. Our emergency department is slammed all the time. Yeah. But an equally busy cardiology department. Again, I would have been like, you have no, like, no, you're, that's not me. But here's the thing that that person back then, yeah, that's not me anymore. I am a different person and I'm so much more confident in my abilities as a technician both like my technical skills, my knowledge base. Yeah. So I don't know hard and fast, like how do you, how to overcome insecurities that are holding you back? It's hard. It's hard, man. 
And I still struggle with it. I still have social anxiety and insecurities and confidence issues. Um, but I think I was so scared for so long to, I, w- I was, I was sabotaging myself, self-sabotaging yeah. myself because I was trying to set myself up for clinics where I, I couldn't thrive and I couldn't learn. And I was trying to do that under the guise of like, you know, just dipping my toe in the water. But, but it, I was, I was picking out clinics that were not good environments to learn in. And then it got to the point where you actually were like, maybe I questioning, suck. Yeah, questioning. Yeah. Which you don't, you don't suck, but you, you were in so many of those situations where you were like, and, and I see, I tell this to a lot of people that work in shelter med and veterinarians and veterinary technicians and veterinary assistants, like guys, I know that you think that this is normal, but this is not normal. Like, first off, we're changing the normal mm-hmm. in our field by advocating for ourselves. But also when you work in those places, because to be fair, I thought a lot of so- some things that are now that I'm older and have more experience and have worked at clinics where I was supported and were appropriate healthy work environments that like oh like you're this this isn't normal this is not how every place is because I hear so many people say and I get it's hard I hear so many people say I at least know how the shit is here so I know it's shit but I I know what it and familiarity and predictability obviously are helpful things but they'll say things like I know how it is here it's going to be worse or the same anywhere else so why bother and and I get that learned helplessness. Like I really empathize with that. But guys, even if we're interviewing, like Liz said, and and we're starting to ask, like, see allowance or what are the opportunities for me to grow? Like, for example, a lot of the clinics I worked at before leaving GP, I was like, I'm going to implement fear-free and low-stress handling at your practice. This is what that's going to look like. Or yeah. I'm going to implement, we're going to start a kitten kindergarten and puppy socialization. And I mentioned my goals as a technician and what I needed from them, which is helpful, like as far as what certifications I want and things like that and how they vet practices yeah. love that. But then I noticed that they would not, they would love that. And I thought I was very clear. And then yeah. um, there was some kind of like how you that interview you had, which I love that you brought it up because now you're like, that's, I was hired. We didn't even talk about pay. And then they essentially... I know. And I'm like looking back and I'm like, but I get it. We've all been there wrong with me that I didn't even think to ask. You were just not confident and felt very, you probably felt very conflicted in a, in an invert interview process, which is why I think practicing is really important with your friends and your colleagues. And I should say, I should say, I look back and say what was wrong with me. I also forgive, (laughs) I also forgive past me for, for, for making that mistake because also remember that was the same clinic where I had that light bulb aha moment when the guy was like, you have all this potential. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm already a great tech. Yeah, <laughs> it all worked out in the end, I guess. No, and I think <laughs> I've had I've had some bad experiences. Uh, I've worked with some misogynist people <laughs> and other, other things that, again, happen in, in every field. But now I when I reflect back, I'm like, I am such I'm a I'm a better educator. I'm more empathetic. And I think both me and you and a lot of other animal professionals I know, we know what we went through and we don't want 
that should not be the base, which unfortunately I feel like it was the baseline. And like Liz said, although we still have a long way to go, we focus on the positive and mm-hmm. we're, we're getting there. We're starting conversations. And mm-hmm. I've talked about this with a lot of other texts on my podcast. Me and Melody talked about this a lot, but she was saying something that I really found relatable and she's a hundred percent right. She didn't even realize that what the capabilities of text, right? So for example, I didn't know about VTSs until, oh gosh, like I didn't hear about that at tech school, which I find bizarre. But anyways, <laughs> uh, why are we not talking about that guys? Right. Um, I didn't learn about vet tech specialties and all of these other amazing opportunities yeah. or even being like, if I don't want to work in GP, I, I can do this, this, and this and be amazing at it. Or right. I could be in GP and head the nutrition counselor. I mean, there's so many things, but none of us thought that this was, if you never saw it and you never heard about it, like you said, those conversations were not happening. And this is one positive social media because that's a love hate thing too. Mm -hmm. We weren't aware. We didn't know. We thought that that was the way it was. Yeah. And thankfully it's, it's, we're starting to share our stories and tell everybody, Hey, you're awesome. You don't, if you hate it here, there, there are, there are other opportunities or you can try to make a change or even at the interview process, if they maybe stare at you silly or body language changes to tense. Um, when you ask about CE allowance and opportunities for growth, maybe that's not a good fit for you, yeah. but you practice your interview skills and you planted a seed in that practice owner's brain. Yeah. And I would say, you know, yes. And circling back to like the confidence and the insecurities and stuff, yeah, you those those questions that'll help you suss out clinics that will help you gain confidence. Because if the if the hospital is not like if it's not a, a, a environment that promotes learning, so yeah, so ask about CE, ask about lunch and learns. Do they do lunch and learns? Yeah, that's an um, easy way to just start getting because obviously. We can't know for sure at all the time, but there are helpful questions that we can ask to get a vibe. For yeah. Sure. And, and yeah, ask that question. How many credential texts? How many assistants? Um, you know, what the, how long your, so your most senior technician, how long has she worked here for? How long? Like, I mean, I guess maybe not to ask that, but, but like, you know, trying to figure out like, is, is there someone here? that can be a mentor to me. Um, what's what's the environment like as far as promoting learning? Because that's what's going to build your confidence and, and help with the insecurities you're having as a baby tech. Being in an environment where you are you are allowed to learn, you are allowed to make mistakes here and there because we're all human and that should happen yeah yeah when those happen we should talk through it in a kind and professional way and not talk shit behind that person's back Uh, Uh, sorry (laughs) no yeah so they can grow and all of us can grow from that mistake so yeah I feel like when I was in tech school I I was I mean I still am I mean you kind of have to be to be in this field a little bit cynical and jaded but I so I feel I say this knowing fully well that I probably would not have taken this class seriously if it was offered in tech school, but they really should have a class about like interview skills and, you know, what to ask on an interview 
And, and I mean, we had like a class about like writing, how to write a resume and a cover letter and, you know, like proper etiquette, like always send a thank you after an interview. And those things whatever. are important, but let's be honest, guys, I can Google that shit. Right. I, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's not important, but that is something that I can, cause I have to learn the skill set years and yeah. years and years ago and I, ask colleagues who colleague, like my husband doesn't work in the veterinary field and I had him help me make a resume like years and years ago and other colleagues from other friends from other fields. So, but as far as like those interview skills, besides if you could practice with your friend, but like you said, these are things that both me and Liz, I didn't start asking until, Oh gosh. Cause I was working in animal welfare before I became, went to tech school. And when I met Liz, I was a manager at that dog and cat boarding facility while I was in tech school. So Mm -hmm. I was working in animal welfare for, for quite a long time. And I didn't start asking questions or even even like you said, realizing, hey, this is a this is a us process like interview. They yeah. interview me and I interview it's them. And street. it's not if I'm not a good fit, it doesn't mean that they're a bad practice. It, it just means yeah. that they may not. Again, there's so many contributing factors to that, but I wouldn't have thought to ask so many questions. And because of that, I think both of us put ourselves in in really ethical compromising traumatic mm-hmm. yeah and although it, like you said i think i i i am thankful for those opportunities and those experiences because it's it's i love who i am today and i know that that contributes to it but also if we can help people avoid yeah. those <laughs> i will say it de- all of all of my little hiccups along the way definitely help me figure out well that was a red flag that I missed (laughs) yeah now it's funny because I have so many one day we'll share them guys uh but we because I'm sure similar many of your red flags are are similar to ours because we no matter what state or country you are in uh there are similar there are similar red flags but and again I think like you said I love that as a field where we're starting to talk about this stuff. So if you're someone, cause you may only have ex- accessibility to online learning and not be able to travel. That's mm-hmm. the other thing like that CE online learning platforms are starting to really make things more accessible for everybody. And we're starting to talk about, Hey, veterinarian, Hey, technician, Hey, assistant, this is not normal. And your mental health matters. And mm-hmm. it's, you don't just shrug off not eating lunch for you guys, I worked so much yesterday. This is super, I'm, if I sound tired, but I worked and this is my own fault. I work for myself. Yes, I do. But I also have, as you guys know, we are workaholics. I love my job, but I had a crazy scheduled day and I was like, I'm going to plan ahead and bring food. I didn't. So I ate a piece of cinnamon raisin toast at like 8 a.m. And I got home from consults and meetings. And again, at, at like 1030, I almost passed out. And I had one cup of water and one cup of coffee and I've been eating a lot better like for a while now because I had to break that whole eating a large meal tech life thing, Uh uh, which I and and I like this morning when I woke up, I texted my personal trainer. I was like, girl, I'm here for you, but I just want to give you a heads up. I feel rough. Uh, (laughs) Like I feel. And so we're going to just work out tomorrow. And I had to rest. Mm -hmm. I mean, rest is really good. I. (laughs) <laughs> excuse that ugh, i'm working on it don't hey guys ignore the ugh. um but i was like no wonder i felt like shit all the time when i was <laughs> like i would work 14 hour days and not eat and i'm like what again perspective right like uh-huh. 
And that was normalized in our field. Like you're an asshole if you eat food and you're like, no, I'm not saying that's everywhere. I'm just, these are generalizations from me and Liz's experiences, but that's like, well, yeah, it's kind of, cause it, 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 it's, and again, that's like, I talk to people at work and stuff. Like you should, you should take your, take your vacations. Um, this, that, and the other don't, don't worry about leaving your coworkers in a lurch. Cause you want to know what, know something if they don't have enough staff for adequate coverage when one person is out, that's not a you problem. That's a management problem. And, and so don't put that on you. Don't put that on you. And, and so don't put that on you and don't put that on your coworkers either. Like, don't be all, all pissy and snippy because, you know, Amanda, Jesse, whatever. I'm trying to think of common girls names. <laughs> um, uh, baby Jessica, you, you and I, we were born in the 80s. So, um, <laughs> uh, you know, that they take their lunch break or they went on vacation. They took their vacation and now we're down a tech for a week and it's going to be a miserable week. Like, like that's that yeah, vacation yeah, is allotted and we should okay. plan ahead for it's that. It's not okay. But um, you behavior that's redirected aggression. <laughs> it's- no, it's so funny. Cause now that, cause humans and animal animals learn the same. And as everyone knows, my niche is behavior. And I left general practice to do full-time behavior consulting and consulting with veterinary clinics and shelters and all this awesome, cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And the amount of things now that I understand behavior that again, I'm not justifying the actions of those things, but I can recognize where some underlying things contribute. Like you said, it, it's it's redirected aggression. A lot of people, blood sugar is low. Again, now that I understand more, because yesterday I was like, oh, I'm going to feel like crap yesterday. And I knew I should have known, duh. My, my husband's like, you're dehydrated, dude. Like, duh, you feel like shit. And I was like, I know this. And I still <laughs> was surprised. Why do I, why do I feel like crap today? But I, I think, and that's another thing, like as far as vet med, like, I know that this is there are complex issues, but a lot of these things we're not really looking at the just like with behavior, right? We have to look at the core issue, mm-hmm. management prevent that issue while we identify triggers, which this could be triggers to vet techs quitting or not being able to keep vets or a shelter not being able to keep staff. And for some reason, none of that, even though those things are even without journal tracking, pattern tracking, for example, what I do with my, my animal clients, mm-hmm. it's very obvious to, to why, mm-hmm. why, why these things like why vet techs aren't staying in or why. And it's not, Hey guys, spoiler alert. It's not because people don't want to work. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's weird. We're going on a tangent, but I think I, Liz brings up a lot of good points that we both, because of insecurities and other things, we kind of, I love the way you said it. It said it, it. That's a word, guys. Self sabotage <laughs> yourself. And I think a lot of us self sabotage self sabotage ourselves. And again, perspective looking back and the amount that you have grown, not I mean, of course, you're an amazing technician, but the amount you've grown as a person and have been able to, of course, advocate for your patients, but advocate for yourself has been wonderful. And seeing you in a place that you're happy and supported and learning. And thriving is just from a friend, from my a friend perspective, but also as a colleague, it's just beautiful. And I, I really thank you for sharing 
your oh, yeah. story and getting a little vulnerable like we do on this yeah. podcast. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag social anxiety. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> he was a little nervous and I'm like, you're just talking to your best friend. Like, let's just cash. It's super cash. Shake it out. many people are listening to this episode, certainly. It's great. It's great. It's just me and you. This is why podcasts are great. (laughs) So, And I would say if you had to give one piece of advice to your colleagues, what would it be regarding kind of some of the stuff we were talking about today? I mean, definitely in in general, um, something that I have learned over the course of my career thus far, with all that setting myself up for failure, whether I was consciously aware of it or not, um, we are, we're supposed to be advocates for our patients, but we're supposed to advocate for ourselves too. I mean, it's stupid cliche Hallmark card. You can't pour from an empty cup. So, so you definitely have to advocate for yourself. But then again, going back to the topic at hand from, from the aspect of overcoming insecurities and, and, and gaining confidence it's it's definitely trying to find that environment, whether it's GP, um, private practice, whether it's you know you know in like a university setting or anything like that, um, an environment that allows you and actually encourages you, um, not just allows. It's not the right word. You want someone that is encouraging and happy for you to learn. Um, and and to better yourself, um, your technician skills, your prospects as a tech in this field. They, I mean, your employer should be having your best interests at hand, just as much as you know their their clients and their patients. Because really, I mean, it's not really any secret yeah. about employee retention if your employees hate coming to work they're gonna stop coming to work (laughs) so yeah don't be afraid to ask those quote-unquote hard-hitting questions about ce and this that and the other to to determine you know where where is that what what clinic is that going to be um you know am i is this a good environment for, for me to learn at, you know, I'm only, I've only been out of tech school, you know, a year or two years or like, you know, so, some, I work, the place I work at now is considered a teaching hospital. So we actually have tuition reimbursement for RBT students, which is amazing. Love it. Um, I know, I know, I know a lot of clinics out there don't have the resources for that. But, you know, if you're interviewing at a, at a huge facility, that's something else you can ask about. And if it's a really huge facility that has all those resources, well, why aren't they, why aren't they encouraging their assistants to go to tech school then? You know, yeah, we should definitely so, reflect on that for sure. And then I think also even as assistants, you want to grow in your yeah in your career, just like technicians do. And you have a lot of opportunities and this, this applies to CSRs because I've seen similar, similar things happen to yeah. all parts if, of CSRs, the staff. If you want to be cross-trained and do some assistant work in the back, like I love, I love, I do not listen. I do not want to be a CSR. I would not be great at it. We love you CSRs. Um, 
again, again, I don't want to manage people and don't make me receptionist full time. I would not be good at it. Um, but, but those CSRs that, that want to get cross-trained and, and help in the back, like, oh my gosh, as an RVT, that's amazing. That's because it's another set of hands. That, and that it is a big out. bummer. I mean, I do, I know we need, we need CE for our license and so do veterinarians, but as someone that works with a lot of amazing shelter professionals who have very minimum access to learning from someone who is skilled, they're kind of thrown into things or, um, all like so many amazing shelter professionals I know who are want to learn more so much and are actually somewhat punished for it sometimes. I understand that a CSR doesn't have a license. Some, some do because there's different when it comes to management mm -hmm. and that a shelter staff member may not have a license, but the fact that we don't feel as a feel that it's important for them to have CE is mind boggling to me. Um, it's just, so again, it, the, the struggle is real. And in, Kind of with what Liz was saying, let's say you work at a shelter or a vet clinic where you may not feel very supported or, or you feel like this environment may not be what we were kind of talking about conducive to learning. What you could do as management in the meantime, find a support outside of work. So for example, I'll be honest, I have so many amazing colleagues and mentors now. It is, it is. I, I am so thankful. I'm going to get all emotional. I am so thankful for all the people I learned from. Me and Liz nerd out and we'll just talk about a case. And we're from completely different parts of the field. But mm -hmm. again, very, very helpful information. And find, like Liz was one of those people for me. When we were working at stressful places, we had, of course, like family, friends as a support system. But you that's why I love going to conferences so much. You meet people who understand what you're going yeah. through, who empathize with what you're going through, and you can learn from each other. So even if you can't get that from your practice right now, because we understand that that's not everywhere, I definitely would recommend seeking out colleagues, joining some of your local technician groups, if possible, to, to change the field, but also mm -hmm. to meet other people so you guys can grow and learn together. Yeah. And you can have that support system because that support system... Liz included has has got me through quite a quite a lot of uh fun and sad situations. Um so thank you so much Liz for being here and I know thank I said one me. last question but one last question. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. What is something that makes you happy right now? It could be Liz has an amazing cat, both both amazing cats. Oh yeah. Cliff cat and Tyra. Heathcliff mm -hmm. has an Instagram and I will share it on this the page you guys can all follow him he's a beautiful okay. orange handsome man and tyra's a beautiful senior great girl but anyways um, yeah. i'm getting sidetracked with your cats Eva. <laughs> what is something that makes you happy so um you already know about this but i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna say it again for all of the listeners um so we yes um i had mentioned that where I currently work is a teaching hospital. So as part of that, we have every summer, we get a new group of the small animal rotating interns that come in. Um, and we had an intern on our service, the cardiology service last week, 
that, um, you know, just talking back and forth. And he's like, oh, yeah, the beginning of lockdown, I, I started a crochet. I taught myself how to crochet. And I, you know, let me show you some of these little amigurumis I made, like a little, like, antelope and stuff. And they're so cute. And talking about my pets. And um, uh, Tabitha had mentioned my two lovely cats. Um, I also like turtles. Um, I like turtles. Um, I have a box turtle and I have a Russian tortoise. And so I was talking to this intern and he's talking and he was like, oh, I can, have you ever seen those crochet sweaters for, for turtles and tortoises? And I'm like, have I seen them? <laughs> Only like for the past like five years, I wish I could crochet. So he offered to make me a little a little sweater from my Russian tortoise little foot, and I'm super duper excited. And it's gonna look like he's like I found a pattern that looks like the little like turtles from Super Mario Brothers. Oh my gosh, I am so excited to know, see I'm it! So and what a kind gift from him! Oh, he's awesome. That is so wonderful. Great. So yes, that's 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 one thing that's bringing me joy in my life currently. Love it. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being here, Liz, and keep up the amazing work with all them hearts. <laughs> oh, thank you. Keep up the amazing work with all the behavior. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you to everyone for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast, tell a friend about it. And I would appreciate if you rate and review this podcast. So it shows up for more people to find and listen to. I appreciate everyone's support. And again, thanks for listening, everybody. 